بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلوات الله وسلامه والأشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهلة إلا ما جعلته سهلة وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلة اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I'm glad to see everyone again after everyone just gallivanting around the world, just wasting everyone's time. It's nice to have you all local once again. Sah? Yeah? Although I thought the welcome party would be a bit more jazzed up, yani. I don't know, a bit, bit macabre, yani, you know what I'm saying? I thought a few more smiles of it. Some laddu, some matai, some, I don't know, bobs. What, not even last night's leftovers, yani, not good enough for us. <laughs> so, um, hope everyone is okay. Um, for those who are online, then uh, we know that the um, you'll have the uh, dual option again this time. Uh, by that meaning that um, you have the two feeds because we still have the internet problem. Um, which will be fixed, ironically, uh, in time for the last lesson of this uh, this academic uh, year. So that's no real point for that. But at least you've got the... Um, is it the bottom one this time, Chaz? Yeah. Yeah, the bottom of the two is the is a higher quality feed, inshallah. Um, and then you've got the top one as well. Both of them are an option. Obviously, if you were to switch, then you'd have to what, just like refresh the page and then press play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to do that. I know that many people wanted this, so I'm going to give them the official rendition of why we love Manchester. Oh, beautiful grey skies of Manchester. (laughs) How I have missed thee. You are hated by the ignorant, the ungrateful, but you'll get nothing but love from me. They say you represent boredom and misery, but what do they know? Have they been soaked in the humidity of Malaysia or been frozen in Calgary's snow? Have they forgotten load shedding in the pain or been ruinedly toasted in Kuwait? What of the suffocating climate of Singapore? Oh, how easy it is to just hate. Grey skies balanced between two extremes. No burning sun, no pouring cold rain. It might not be the most spectacular of sights, but at least you won't be driven insane by not being able to go out without waterproofs or without changing to winter tires and chains or ha- having to skip from AC car to AC building in a blazing hot sun, being held hostage by the weather. Indeed, in a backside, this is such a pain. Grey skies, perhaps we produce the climate of paradise. Feeling neither scorching heat nor biting cold, it doth say, we will defend you, O grey skies, by ta'wil, fatwa, indeed any means. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Manchester on this dry, dull, grey, yet beautiful day. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Nine minutes that took to write. Started it in a taxi. Okay. I wrote it, you cheeky pack. Who wrote it? That started in a taxi. 
Like, taxi driver wasn't interested one little bit. You know, he was so not interested. I asked him for some inspiration. He didn't. I said to him, give me a word which, uh, which, uh, relate, which uh, rhymes with hate or something like that. I can't remember. He didn't help. Yeah, yeah, I think I did one word in the two minutes at home. Three words. Are you dreaming, son? Right, so, we're back in Manchester, alhamdulillah, bifadlillah, Madinatul Ilm, the city of knowledge, the city of light, the city of grace, guys. Um, so, today's lesson, inshallah, we, um, this is like what? What's, what's, what's the one before penultimate? Triultimate? We are before the, we are in the lesson before the penultimate lesson. The third before last, before we, um, before we uh, close up, inshallah, for this academic year. And we are on target, okay, we are on target for finishing the chapter of wiping over the uh, leather socks. And there's a, um, I had a little bit of a discussion, I didn't have much time to take this discussion to the max, meaning with the full LP team and so on. Um, but um, we are going to introduce a little bit of a change. I've been able to uh, calculate um, a way of, of being going, going a little bit quicker, doing a bit more information, um, and I'm going to be, more, be, more, be a bit more discriminatory in that um, so that we can move smoother, and I'm hoping that, that what that should lead to, um, although I don't think I'm going to implement it in this academic year, but certainly from the next, hopefully to move at twice the speed that we are. And um, I spoke to some senior uh, teachers on this matter as well. And that has what has been advised. Without any loss in the detail, inshallah. Um, and also another addition, which actually we should have really done from the beginning. Um, especially considering this was based on a Sheikh Al-Uthaymeen, alayhi rahmatullah, kind of model. Um, and what the model that he represents is actually the current model that most circles of knowledge which are continuous represent. Which is that... The topic, um, or, um, which is like ongoing, uh, the, the, the chapter of knowledge which is being taught, is something which is the first part of a session, the majority of it. And then the last part then is not actually a specific Q&A um, per se, just based upon that session, but rather an opportunity for people to ask and often therefore an issue of the day or an issue of the week. Whatever, and so I think that we're going to uh, introduce that as well. That at the end we finish a little bit early, all right. Um, depending upon how time is and stuff, and then we then are able to then uh, deal with a issue that is either political or social or a big fiqhi matter, you know, um, that that comes up that our people are interested in, um, or there's a need to answer, or there's some kind of fitna, or there's some kind of issue that needs to be uh, dealt with. Um, so. That allows a lot of things actually to be uh, covered. Allowing that session and allowing us to chat and discuss something, I think it is going to work in everyone's uh, advantage, inshallah. Okay, folks? So, where are we at? We are actually at the bottom of page 253 um, in the commentary. And in the text, we are on page 5. Um, and the... Uh, that's right, yes, we are on page 5. And in the Arabic, uh, Imam al-Hijawi, alayhi rahmatullah, let me just get this right. That's right. And so on the Arabic, or in the Arabic, uh, Imam al-Hijawi, alayhi rahmatullah, he says, وَلَا يَمْسَحُ قَلَانِسَ وَلَا لِفَافَ 
ولا ما يسقط من القدم أو يرى منه بعضه One is not to wipe over One, hats Two, a cloth which is wrapped around the foot Three, something which will fall off the foot by itself Referring to the khuf Which will fall off the foot by itself And four, that which allows part of the foot to be seen Okay, so we've, we've touched on a few of these points a little bit already, but this is now the proper section for them. So the immediate, um, the immediate statement that we start with, we start with is uh, You are not allowed to wipe over a hat. Qalanisa is a plural. It is the plural of qalansua. Okay, qalansua. Qalansua is the uh, classical Arabic name which is used for a hat or, or any type of normal hat like this like the kind of the Syrian one you know the white one which which clings to the head with little holes in it yep the one that everyone wears all the time normal hat that's actually called that's like referred to as a, a Syrian type hat the one that people wear underneath their shamar underneath you know the cloth that the head head uh, dress that males wear so that's obviously one, yeah. Um, and then you've got solid hats like this. And then you've got all the versions. This was quite a soft one, obviously. And then you've got the hard ones, which sit on the top of the head. Virtually every single hat falls under, under the, the concept of qalansua, uh, okay. And these are, in principle, taqiyya. Um, uh, a taqiyya is basically something which is protecting the head in Arabic. Um, so all of these are referring to hats. Now... Uh, uh, principally, I want you to know that the back in the day, it was when these kind of discussions were happening, it wasn't really surrounding big hats. Okay, big hats would generally be called a turban or an imama, or if they were very different in style to an imama, then qalansua would be given the the, the, the word qalansua would be used for them. Now, Sheikh um, Al Uthaymin, he says uh, on page two hundred and fifty four at the top, he goes, so this type of hats. No one will wipe you. It's not allowed to wipe over them because, in principle, the it is an obligation to wipe the head because Allah says, "Wamsahu biruusikum." In Surah Al-Maidah, verse six, the principle is to uh, wipe the head. And the only time that we go away, we move away from this asal. Okay, remember every time when I say an, uh, as an asal, as an asal, when I say as an asal, I mean in principle. Okay, the only time we move away from this asal is when there is a text, a divine text. And that there is a text, and that text mentions specifically the imam. So we move away from the basic rule, which is that you, it's obligatory to wipe the, the head. We only move away because there's an, just like there's a divine text which says you must wipe the head, then there's another divine text which is more specific and says, actually, there's an exception for the imam, okay, for the, for the turban. What does Shaykh mean then say? He says that... Um, there are some of the people, there's some people in the Hanbali Madhab, they said that um, it is permissible to wipe over hats, qalanis, okay, if they are like turbans in that they are difficult to remove. If they are like turbans in that they are difficult to remove. And the reference is there in Insaf, Al Insaf, okay. But as for those which are not difficult to remove, like this, to take off, or, or a normal hat, okay. Then they are 
uh, not to be wiped over because there's a difference between wiping over something which cannot be removed and that which can be removed with difficulty of course everything can be removed but we're talking with difficulty and Sheikh Uthameen goes he goes this is a strong position this is a position that he wants to take okay this is obviously not the position of the madhab right he, this is not the position of the madhab because this is a qawl in the madhab he says it's a strong position that some of the people in the Hamli Madhab say that actually it is allowed to wipe over a hat as long as it's like an imama. And now uh, Sheikh Tamim is going to explain. He says, he goes, because لِأَنَّ الشَّارِعِ الشَّارِعِ Who's a shari'? What is a shari'? What does the word shari'? mean? The lawmaker. And who is? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So a shari'? is the lawmaker, the lawgiver. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala لا يفرق بين متماثلين كما أنه لا يجمع بين متفرقين. Okay. لأن الشرع من حكيم عليم والعبرة في الأمور بمعانيها لا بصورها. Allah subhanahu wa taala <coughs> when he explains and sends down the law and sends down the, the texts, it is clear the principle concerning one thing and how it is different from something else. There's um, uh, uh, and what 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 Sheikh, what Sheikh wants to try and say is that the uh, we wanna we wanna bring a qaida usuliya into this, meaning a juristic maxim. What is the maxim? It's a good one. Al ibratu fil umur la What is to be considered is the understanding, not its presentation. Okay. What is to be considered is is is, is the is the what is to be considered is the implied meaning, the implied understanding. The um, I'm sure this can get better the more that we work on it in, 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 in translation. La bisuwariha, not how it presents itself. What is, what is Sheikh trying to say? He's trying to say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't actually prohibited uh, hats. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't actually only allowed turbans to be wiped over. Just because... Only the word turban has been used. Actually, what is intended by using the word turban is the concept of the turban or the understanding of turban. Okay? So, therefore, we are not to consider the way that the word is presented. It doesn't matter if we call it a turban or we call it a jolly wrap or we call it a headscarf or we call it a big hat, whatever. Are all of these four things the same in principle? Meaning, do they have the same um, characteristics that actually make them allowed to be used? And if that is the case, then it doesn't matter what it's called. It's allowed to apply the ruling towards it. Similar, similar to the principles of Qiyas, analogy. If we're able to find the key, like a key, right? Like a key, um, it has all these ridges, right? And to match the key... There is possibility to have some differences when you copy that key in some of the aspects as long as the, 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 the fundamental, whatever points they're called, on a, on a key, with the teeth, I think, or something like that, the ridges. As long as they match, then we can call this a copy of the key. It might not be necessarily the same thing in color or in, or in look or in appearance, but actually it opens the lock. The reason it opens the lock is because the fundamental characteristics that are required to unlock the lock are there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, therefore, what Sheikh Uthameen says is that uh, actually the imama is, 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 is explaining a principle. Once a hat gets into a scenario where it's copying the imama, then you can wipe over that. Do we have one like that? 
I don't know. But Sheikh Uthameen, um, and this is why point footnote 2, if you're looking at the commentary, points to the bottom in footnotes. And the author uh, of the book, who is obviously one of the students of Sheikh Uthameen, okay, and he's of course the one who has recorded all these lessons and then set forward then transcribing them, okay, he said, our Sheikh said, وَقَالَ شَيْخُنَا رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ فِي I want you to know that, of course, Sheikh Uthameen also has a Majmu' al-Fatawa. Right? Uh, actually, I want you to know something. What is Majmu' al-Fatawa, the famous name? When you say Majmu' al-Fatawa, what do you think of? Ibn Taymiyyah's book, right? You need to know, just as students, that of course Ibn Taymiyyah never had a book called Majmu' al-Fatawa. Right? Ibn Taymiyyah was in prison most of the time being answered questions and they were being recorded. And Ibn Taymiyyah was often sent letters, please write our city a essay or give an explanation to this issue. And he would then send them a written letter, right? Ibn Taymiyyah sometimes would write a book, such as a book on Iman or a book on uh, Al-Furqan, Bayna Awliya Shaitan wa Awliya Rahman, the criterion between the friends of the devil and the friends of Ar-Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he actually feels the need to write such a book. Sometimes the letter that he wrote would be so detailed, it would turn into an essay, it, be, it would be seen in its own right as a book, right? Okay, so that's actually what he wrote in his life, and he was incredibly prolific and blessed in the amount that he wrote. It was only later, I think it's the uh, grandfather of the current imam, one of the, one of the imams of Masjid al-Nabawi, uh, uh, I think his name is Muhammad Al-Qasim or something like that. Um, he's one who's got a really deep voice. Uh, actually, they all got deep voices, aren't they? Uh, that's, that's the lamest <laughs> expression ever. He's the one who's... Uh, let me try and copy as well. I'm very rubbish at copying as well. But he's the one who goes... No, no, I can't do it. I'll just do my best. So this is, this is <laughs> I know you, Bobby's like saying, go on, go on, go on, let's do it. No, I can't do it. I can't do his voice. But anyway, he's, the, he's, the, he's, the, he's one of them anyway. So his grandfather was the actual one who went back and he spent his whole life, like a life mission, gathering all of the... Manu- By the way, all of these books, I mean, not this book, this is a modern book, but all these books that you see, right, these classical, these classical books, are the work of a, an individual or a team of people who go around and find manuscripts, okay, written in the most, you know, ineligible kind of writing, horrible writing. And they sit there and they go through it all the time. And, and many of these manuscripts have got mistakes and there's contradictions between them and they have to go and they have to note each time where there's a difference between a page and so on. And they put it together and we get it as a nice, kind of clean, beautiful book, easy to read like that. In actual principle, has never, ever, ever been like that before. Okay, So actually this, this work is happening all the time with all the books. So someone like this... Al-Qasim, we'll call him, because I can't remember now, it's been a while since I reviewed now what his full name was and everything. He is the one who gathered every single thing that you know, Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah wrote and he put it together in his own ordering system, his own tertib. He's the one who put volume one like this and Kitab al-Iman like that and Kitab al-Ilm like that and blah, 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 blah. And that was a total of 37 volumes. Okay? And that 37 volumes, he titled it Majmu' al-Fatawa which basically means a collection of all the fatwa of Ibn Taymiyyah. Okay? So, just so that you know, whenever you hear the word Majmu' al-Fatawa, you immediately think Ibn Taymiyyah, which is good. That is the world's most famous Majmu' al-Fatawa. Know that it was written many, many years, it was gathered together many years later. 
and it's an incredible job and there might be a little bit of mistakes here and there and there are books which have been released in recent times which show some mistakes and additions and subtractions from the original gathered text and that's the pro- that's the continual process of checking which is the want of of islamic scholars that's important um but now that, now that you know that, you need to know that the, the, ta- the term Majmu'ul Fatawa is a generic term. And it's referred to a number of scholars who have a lot of Fatawa. There are two in our current time, maybe even uh, uh, three, Muhammad Ibrahim as well maybe. But certainly Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz, rahmatullah, he has a Majmu'ul Fatawa, right? So the Grand Mufti of, of Saudi who passed away um, 15 years plus ago, he had Majmu'ul Fatawa. Shazad is smiling because... He has the most awesome story about Mujmur Fatawa, which we will share. What is it that uh, you had? Sheikh Kehlan had the dream? You had the dream? No, Sheikh Kehlan had the dream. He was in Saudi when this, happened, when this dream happened. Shazad was in Saudi during Umrah. Or on the way to Saudi or, or in Saudi during Umrah. Okay. And um, I was here. And Sheikh Kehlan, uh, he, <laughs> he contacted us and he said, that I had a dream. Uh, Karen says, say it louder so the bright microphone can pick it up. He said he had a dream that he saw Sheikh uh, in Baz. I can't remember what he said in the dream, but it was nice if I had his uh, Majmool Fatah. No, no, it's, it's more than that. Is that what you can remember? <laughs> yeah, that's unbelievable if I can remember more than you, bro. That's, <laughs> that's when we know that time is close to the ending, yeah? <laughs> if I remember more than another person. Too many things. Man, too many things. The, um, in his dream, this man came up to him. Okay, I'm now taking pure liberties now because I just remember little bits and pieces. A man came up to him in his dream and he gave him some buckets, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? He gave him some, uh, yeah, something. He gave, he gave him some buckets. <laughs> you see that, <laughs> see that, mashallah, that intervention, yeah? <laughs> inspiring, motivating, beneficial intervention. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he gave these two kind of containers, or big container, to Sheikh uh, Ahlan, uh, and he goes, uh, use this and it will benefit people, or something like that. And uh, Sheikh was like, you know, who are you? And uh, thinking, he didn't say this, and what's this? And he goes, afterwards I realized that the man who had approached me in a dream was Abdulaziz bin Baz, okay? Who had passed away, who had passed away. Um, but not long, it wasn't long before, 15 years back, whatever, whatnot. So we said, Sheikh, what, what do you think, man? What was that saying? He goes, what it means is that Shazad has to bring us back here in the Tower. And it was massive. And you know what packs are like, you know, go on Umrah, you're already loaded with bring this back, bring that back, and bring God knows what else back. And Miskeen then, he had to... 25 or 23 volumes. 20, yeah, 20-plus 20 volumes, which took out your whole thing. But you, do it, you did it by hand though, right? In those days, now I just want to say to you, back in the good old days, back in the good old days, okay, where there was no Shamila, and there was no money to be paying yani, excess baggage fees and stuff. We were champions, yani. we were champions. When men were men, okay? Wallahi, when men were men. I'm telling you now, when I travel now, I can't travel with even one kg of stuff. I have to like take jackets off. I have to take everything off because I'm dead by the time I've walked from one end to the other. Alani, you know this, this travelator thing is the world's greatest invention ever. I just stand on it. I'm one of the people, who, I'm, I'm one of those, the, the only person in human history and on the planet who actually stands still on a travelator. <laughs> Catching my breath, thinking, thank God for this. Right? You know, I tell you what's really funny. I tell you what's really funny. They've introduced the travelator in Mina. You know, when you go to Hajj, um, uh, 
So obviously now they've kind of moved camps around a little bit and this and that. And so in Mina, our camp has always been, the European camp, Turkish camp, has always been right at the end, okay, like right at the very end, which has its pros and cons, you know, never hate on what you get, okay? Remember Grey Skies of Manchester, never hate. There's always a plus side to everything. So we are miles away from Jamarat. I mean, to, to do Jamarat is a hajj in itself. You come out, yani, it's all G'd up, you spend the whole day G'ing yourself up, yani, you know, smacking yourself like this, I'm going to do this, yeah, come on, let's do this. You plan, 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 big, yani, massive crowds, at least hour, an hour and a half, hardcore walk and all the rest of it. And so they realized that, you know, we, we need to do something about this. So what they did is something ajeeb. They created like a, a paths, they drilled massive uh, uh, paths through the mountains, okay? And they created these kind of um, tunnels, and so these tunnels kind of cut the journey down by about 15 minutes, but that's about it. You still, still got to put on a pure track. And they've got these massive, you know, those crazy massive fans that you've heard, seen. You know, those the deafening ones that allow the air to be flowing. So that's fine. So they're trying to always improve the experience. So what they've done is they put travelators in the middle of all of this. In the middle. They are the most useless things you've ever seen. They go so slow, yeah, that even if you are stuck and crushed yani, on the right-hand side within a million people and you're all inching forward, you actually end up yani, getting to that point quicker than you are on a travelator. Secondly, they are an absolute death trap. Because you know what packs are like, right? You know, you're like, just like you don't use the escalators in, in Haram. You know that's a big no-no, right? Because you've got this yani, 36 uh, aunties who end up all at the same place one time. They don't know how to take that massive step of life and death, yeah? You know, they're, they're waiting... And then for all of a sudden, so instead of just either killing themselves or diving to safety, they decide to kill everyone else. So they just hold on, wait. And they, they just all jump up and everyone else is coming down from the top. Then it's like, you know, the crush of death. Yeah, that would be solved by a simple just step. Simple step. So you can imagine a travelator that's going this slow. And we're talking, you know, you can only get how many people on an on a escalator. But now you've got this travelator, which is even. And then at the, at the end, it just jams full of people. And there's no more place to go. And the ground is moving underneath you. What a lie, that's scary, man. I'm telling you. So forget that. What were we going to talk about travelators for? Weight. Talking about weight. Back in the day, when we used to go to like Egypt and Saudi, we would bring back 50, 100 kg of books in our hands. We would, put, we would get our, tra- our, our back, backpack that has to have 30, 35 kg in. Because one, one uh, rule of thumb, one book is one kg. Always has been, always will be. It doesn't matter if it's less or more. That's the belief you always need to have. One Arabic book is one kg. And a normal set is 20 plus. You know, a big set. With Yani, a calculate, you'd get one into your backpack, and you'd have one bag like this and one bag like that. And you would never go and present it at check-in. You'd always leave it, Yani, you know, uh, 200 meters away from the check-in desk. Teaching you some moves here, by the way, okay? All right? But this is back in the day. Now, now you just download it onto your phone and <laughs> carry it on your phone. <laughs> so, ah, so you'd say, how many bags? Uh, you wouldn't say because you don't want to lie, do you? Yeah? All right? So you just show the back and say, there you go. That's all right. Well done. They'd have all the pa- uh, tags on the top. You just grab three instead of grabbing one. And then that's it. They'd check you and say, well done. Then you'd go over there to where your mate's standing. And then you put the tags onto each one and then start the nightmare from hell, yani, or journey home. Well, you've got this 35 kg on your back, you've got 30 kg in one hand here. Custom, you come back, you come back on a like this, pumped full of books. Back in the day. 
back in the day. Alhamdulillah, it's not like that anymore. Shazada sometimes does it a bit here and there, but so that's our story with Majmur Fatah. Sheikh Kehlan last time ordered it. And when you go and see the copy in Bukhari, when you touch it, just feel the history, feel the sweat, feel the emotion from Shazada. He was part and parcel of that. Yana. But this ilm did not come easy, do you understand? Alright? You're not sitting there enjoying yourself, laughing away. What do you think, Yanni? Huh? What do you think? Even this book here I bought back from Masjid, you know what a mission it was? I shipped it, I think. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right, so. Um, anyway, the footnote is that he goes, Now, you know that that's a, a Shaykh Huthaymin is always referring to Ibn Taymiyyah. Okay? And whenever we say Majmu'l Fatawa, of course we're referring to Ibn Taymiyyah. But the, Mu'al, the, the, the guy who put this book together, he by saying, said our Shaykh, our Shaykh said, may Allah have mercy upon him, is now making it clear that he's talking about Shaykh Uthaymeen in his Majmu'l Fatawa, which was compiled after his death. Now, I just want you to know that Ibn Uthaymeen also had lots of Yani Fatawa, lots of writings and stuff. Well, he never had lots of writing, but he had lots of teachings. He taught like every book that you can imagine, all the basic books. Books on Mustalah al-Hadith, books on Aqidah, Lum'atul I'tiqad, and then you got Zad al-Mustaqni'ah, and he taught books on Riyad Salihin, for example. He taught books on Hadith. He taught Al-Bayquniyah, which is the books on the science of Hadith. He taught uh, books on inheritance. He taught so many different things to all different levels, at university, in the masjid. So all these are being transcribed and that's creating books. He taught tafsir. So there's a tafsir of Sheikh Al-Thameen as well, okay? Which is fractured. Lots of places missing because he never taught it all. But they all gathered it together and so on. And then, of course, his fatwa. He's always giving fatwa, officially and unofficially. And he had a radio program as well. And in the radio program, he's giving fatwa as well, so they're collecting that as well. So therefore, that's why you have this majmu' al-fatawa of his and it says that in Majmu' al-Fatawa, Sheikh Uthameen was asked about what things could be wiped over. And in that, he mentions that in the wintertime, there are some people who wear some kind of head dress, a cap, a hat of some sort, which actually covers the ears and, and, uh, covers the ears and sometimes might even go around the neck. Okay? I've got no idea what that actually is, but it sounds like some kind of funky kind of like hat, scarf, husky, Eskimo flex going down. Yeah? Because it's obviously warm covering this. It must have some flaps covering the ears and maybe the flaps are continuous and it's covering around the neck. And he goes that something like this is permissible to wipe over. Something like this is permissible to wipe over. And so I want to now say, because that was uh, uh, responded to back in the day, I want to add from my own pocket that uh, it is permissible for a person who's wearing some kind of funky headdress or something, you know, from a work point of view, that is permissible to wipe over. For example, if there was a helmet, okay? The person was wearing a very specific type of helmet. Or maybe there was someone... Um, do they uh, use for MRIs people, uh, things that are protecting them in a, in a very... No, just a um, thing that keeps your head still. Just thingies. Okay. So, I mean, maybe for a medical kind of use, there might be something that you wear which has got strap, 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 and that's meant to be kept on from a medical point of view or whatever. Um, but it's not, you know, mega difficult to take off, but it's obviously undoing all the straps. You could wipe over that. It would be permissible to wipe over that because the illa is the difficulty and time being taken to take off the actual headdress. That's what Sheikh Uthameen is trying to say. So he goes, in conclusion, 
as long as the Sharia allows a person to wipe over their imama, then Therefore, anything which is like the imama in its difficulty in being removed, then it is permissible to wipe over it. And that's the end of the matter. That is the, the ruling on the issue. Anything, uh, a normal hat, not allowed. Any hat which is like the imama taking time and, and, and difficult to take off, then that's then that, that's something which is wiped over. That, by the way, is not the official Muhammad Hanbali position. We've confirmed that, haven't we? Yeah, that is position of some of the Hanbali scholars, but it is the Ibn Uthameen's position and it's our class taught position as well. Okay, the next statement is Wala Lifafa. Okay, Lifaf, the word Lifaf is comes from Lif, meaning to uh, tie something up. Okay, to tie something up. And what is this referring to? This is referring to the foot. So this is like real primitive behavior. What Sheikh Uthameen mentions is what something I told you guys a long time ago, which is that at that time, the kind of poverty was that, you know, cloth would be having multiple uses. It would be the, the sheet that you uh, eat on, the sheet, the sheet that you sleep on, the this, the that, whatever, clean, and it would be clothes as well. And so we have definitely this, this uh, cloth, which a person, uh, a hoof is like made of leather, and so that's high quality, and it's you know, nice and cut and everything. So that makes it even more valuable. So there might be a person who just has like a, a long kind of cloth. And what he'll do is he'll wrap it around his foot. Yeah? Like, like, a, like, a, like a plaster, like a mummy, I don't know, whatever. Okay? So he would wrap it all the way around his foot. And so the Hanbali method is saying that cloth wrapped around the foot, which is what a person would do. I mean, we, we probably see that in, 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 in those kind of like scenarios where... A person is barefoot and needs to protect his foot because he's got no socks, got no shoes, so he puts it on. Yeah. Now the irony is that the humbly method says you can't wipe over that. You can't wipe over the foot. That this is not medical, by the way. If it was a bandage, then it would they would allow it because it come under the rulings of a bandage. This is purely being put around the foot because of poverty or because your foot is cold and you're trying to make it warm. So he says that. Uh, that uh, the madhab says that it's not allowed to uh, wipe over it. Why? Why? Because it is not a hoof. A hoof is a sock. Okay? A leather sock. And it's the hoof which has got the, the text. The hoof. So at least that madhab is being consistent with the previous point as well. They're saying you can't wipe over the hat because the hat has never been mentioned. And they're saying you can't wipe over the, the lifaf because the lifaf has never been mentioned. And... He goes that the reason uh, that they say you can't wipe over it, again, just to make it a legal point, the Hanbali Matab is saying the reason you can't wipe over, over a, a cloth, which is wrapping the foot, is because it is obligatory to wash the foot. The only time it's not obligatory to wash the foot is if we have a text saying that there is an exemption for X. The text is there. It says the exemption is for a khuf and a jawra. So it's not there for the for the Jawrah. You can imagine, obviously, what we're going to say now, okay? And uh, uh, what, what, what was initially said by Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, he said, Jawaz Mushi ala lifafa, wa huwa sahih. It is permissible to wipe over something which has been wrapped, okay? The foot which has been wrapped, and Sheikh Uthameen agrees as well. Because, actually, that's more deserving to be wiped over than a, than a khuf. We're talking about, yeah, it's something which is covering the foot, then that's covering the foot more. And if we're talking about something which is difficult to get off, well, to, take, to pull off a sock is slightly more easier than to unwind, you know, 
the cloth which is wrapping the foot. Actually, you could say that is more wipeable, should be wipeable, than the, the khuf itself. And also, Sheikh Uthameen says, actually to say that textually, there's no divine uh, script, uh, and there's no divine text for this, is also incorrect. Actually, it's there. There is a divine uh, text. And that is the understanding of the word tasakhin. وَإِذْضًا فَأَنَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَمَرَ السَّرِيَّةَ الَّتِي بَعَثَهَا بِأَنْ يَمْسَحُوا عَلَى الْأَصَائِبِ وَالْتَسَاخِينَ The Prophet ﷺ ordered that military unit that went out that it is permissible for you guys to wipe over التَسَاخِينَ أَصَائِبْ is that which is wrapped the head. Okay. التَسَاخِينَ What did we say about that? Who remembers? What does تَسَاخِينَ come from? Huh? So bring the word back to... What does تَسَاخِينَ link to? The warm, what's word for warm? Sakhin or Sukhna. Yeah? So that's where the word comes from. Tasakhin meaning that which keeps the Ani warm. So that which keeps something warm is a very general term. It's not just referring to a basic sock, but something which is wrapped around. Okay? So he goes, Sheikh Thameen goes, We take from the word Tasakhin. The permissibility of wiping over the lifaf because that itself keeps the foot warm. Okay? And, um, and I think this is a very uh, correct and good position. Therefore, uh, just again for our modern point, our teaching point here is that it doesn't need to be a leather sock to wipe over. It can be any other sock that is uh, used as long as keeping the foot warm, and it's not just some kind of, you know, as I said before, like these women's tights, you know, something, you know, basically which has no function, just changing the color of the leg, really, okay? No other, yeah, any meaningful function, okay? Um, also, that means that it's allowed to wipe over, um, you know, you get these Gore-Tex socks and things like that. That's even more so, maybe even more wipeable than the uh, leather ones, because they're even more tougher, tougher and stuff. And then you've got these, like, thick socks, and you've got other types of socks, like... Um, you know, the airplane socks, which uh, you put on and they've got like uh, pads underneath. And then you've got those special socks. Any other sock that has this kind of uh, basic warming principle, it can be wiped over. Okay, so our, uh, uh, the Madhab says no, we say that it is permissible to do so and the evidence is with us. And then the next one, it is not permissible to wipe over something which will fall off the foot by itself. Now this is interesting, Sheikh Uthameen treats this issue a bit more delicately. He basically says, so what the Madhab is saying is that which falls off the foot by itself, then it is not wiped over. Why is this? This is because the Madhab conditioned. The Madhab, if you go back, uh, I don't know, 20-30 pages, when it comes to the conditions of what needs to, the thing that you wipe over, the conditions it must meet, one of the conditions was what? It has to stay up by itself, yeah? It has to be actually remain in place by itself. We said back then, there is no evidence for that, okay? We said that if you, if you need to tie up or zip it up or you need to hold it together with an elastic band, whatever, then so what? They're saying that no, by definition, a khuf has got to be something which stays up by itself. And we said that, well, there's no evidence for that, frankly. And if we can keep it up by, in our own way. And then Shukhtamin mean, then went a bit further, if you remember what he said. He goes, listen, forget about staying up. Even if it slips off and it shows part of the foot, but the majority of the foot is covered, and it might not even be exactly the entire, 
you know, the ankle uh, might be not be entirely covered and there's some gap showing, then even I have no problem with that. Remember we said that? And I said to you that myself, we just want to like take it easy on that. Sheikh is brave in that issue. He's saying, I don't care if there's cuts, I don't care if it's torn, I don't care if it's this, I don't care if there's massive holes and stuff, but uh, blah, 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 blah. As long as it's seen as a sock and it's seen as covering and it doesn't need to cover all of it, then I'm, I'm down with that. I said out of safety, we should at least hope that it covers the entire foot. And as for cuts and tears, you know, we can live with that. No problem, okay? That's what we expect from a hoof of the Prophet and his companions. So, um, so this point here is based upon that principle. That it's a condition that the sock may stay, it has to stay up by itself. Well, we already said that that's not a condition. So you can imagine now that we're not going to care too much for it now either. Okay? So Sheikh Uthameen, he says that according to, therefore, uh, uh, basically, according to them, According to the Hanbalis, why did they make this point? He's being fair to them. He's saying because the text says hoof, and a hoof by definition should be something which should stay up by itself. And if it doesn't, then what's the point of it being a hoof? It has left no faida. If it doesn't stay up by itself and it's meant to be walked in, meant to be walked upon, then what's the point of it then? It doesn't even fulfill the objective of what it actually is. That's the way that they're thinking. Sheikh Uthameen then, yani in a way, and this is, this is again now, what I'm going to explain to you is that this is, a, this is a skill that you will find, okay, from a teacher um, who is, uh, no, no, oh, sorry, what I want to say is that there is an extra skill required when, when teaching a text or studying or reading something to try and read between the lines and see what the, what the Sheikh is saying. In this point, in this issue, Sheikh, at one point does he say, I agree or disagree, or this is not correct. He doesn't. But he says a few words which indicate to us that he doesn't agree. Because he says this, لَكِنْ لَوْ فُرِدَ أَنَّ مَرِيدًا مُقْعَدًا لَبِسَ مِثْلَ هَذَا الْخُفْ لِتَدْفَأَ فَلَا يَجُزْ لَهُ he goes, so if we give an example, let's say there was a guy who was bedridden, sick guy, ill, who is bedridden, can't come out of bed, and he is wearing a, uh, a hoof, which is huge, two sizes too big for him, big hoof, which would fall off if he tried to stand up, but he's lying down, and he's sick. He goes, this, I'm quoting Sheikh Muthameen, he goes, he's lying down, he's sick, it's too big for him, it would fall off if he's not. According to what the author has said, it would not be permissible for him to wipe over this khuf. This is what he said. The way that he's phrased that and said, according to the way, what the author has said, is his kind of way of saying that. That's what he said. Frankly, I disagree. But he doesn't mention that. Is that clear, everybody? Yep, that's important. Because I, therefore, and I don't know any other place where he has said anything else, but I'm assuming and I'm very confident in my assumption that Sheikh Uthameen does not agree with this at all. He does not agree with this at all. Um, and he goes, and he goes, and the reason that they won't allow, them to, uh, won't allow this man to wipe over it, he goes, is because it is so big and so wide that to pull it off is a piece of cake. So to pull it off and put it back on again is really easy. And so therefore they're not going to let him then wipe over this sock. And that's the reason why they don't allow it. I just want to stop there and say that actually there is no proof that we know that the wiping over the sock is purely because it is difficult to take off. As we said, yes? No doubt that that's an aspect of it. And we go back to what Shekhtimi mentioned before. That sometimes a reason which is an obvious reason is not the only reason that something is allowed. 
and maybe and as 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 we know today, as we know today, when we wipe over a sock, half of the reason is that it's difficult to take off. But actually, that's not the main reason. It's because it's a hassle. It's not because it's difficult to take off. It's going to expend a lot of energy, which I guess it does. Okay. But it's more the issue and the fact that your foot is clean and that you've washed it already and, 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 and. So I, I want to say to you that our class position remains. That even if the thing is too big, even if it's wobbling around on the foot and it's not fixed, it is permissible to wipe over that. It's not a problem. Okay? Um, it doesn't need to be kept up by itself. There are two ways why, 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 so how something can be kept up. You're either going to tie it up and that's allowed. Or it's, it's kept in place because you put a shoe on. And that's what, that's what used to happen. Um, we covered a hadith back a couple, of, uh, a couple of months back where the Prophet ﷺ wiped over his, his khuf and na'al. Remember we said that? Na'al is the um, no, uh, flip-flops. flip-flops yeah? The na'al, na'al refers to the... Na'al is a word which refers to a shoe as well. But in principle it refers to that thing. You know the thing. What's that called? The strap, the strap in a flip flop, yeah. That's what the na'al is, okay. In principle, but the, uh, uh, it can also mean the, 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 the full strap in the, hat, in the sandal as well. But in principle, it's that thing which stands there, and then your, your toes then go into it, okay. So, uh, how is that holding this up? How does it mean that you wipe over that? Uh, people said, What do you mean he wiped over his sandals? I mean, it's a foot which is empty. How can you wipe over an empty foot, yeah? The answer is, as we said, is that he's got his hoof on and it's in the na'al. And so he wipes over the na'al. And wiping over the na'al means you're basically wiping over the entire sock. Yeah, you're kind of like missing a strap here and there. But it's, it's, it's nothing because it's only a thin strap. Does that make sense? Yeah. Imagine you, got, you ram your feet into one of those flip-flops and you want to wipe over the whole thing. Two things will happen. The flip-flops and ramming it into them will keep the hoof in place. And the second thing is that you wiping over it doesn't entail anything other than the fact that you wiped actually over the foot, the, the, the hoof itself. All right. So, and then the last part is, the humbly said is, you are not allowed to wipe over that which allows part of the foot to be seen. I.e. a hoof which has got a big hole in it or a hoof which is underneath the ankle bone, underneath the limits of the foot itself. That's what the author is saying. Okay. And... He, Sheikh says, this is And this position is based upon what the Hanbali said earlier, which is that from the conditions to wipe over a khuf, is that it must cover the obligatory area to be washed. And Sheikh goes, well, you know what I said about that before. You know my opinion on that, that that's not a condition. As long as it looks like it's a khuf, and it generally fulfills the purpose of a khuf, then it doesn't matter if there's a little gap here, a little gap there. It doesn't matter if it's got a tear. It doesn't matter if you can see the skin. Remember we talked about that? Okay. It might be made of plastic, see-through plastic, and you can see the skin. It doesn't matter about seeing the skin. That's got nothing to do with it. As long as, in general, the area is all covered, in general, then that's good enough for us. Therefore, he refuses to accept this position, and that's our class position as well. This is not, a, this is not something that we need to worry about. If the hoof itself generally covers the foot, got a bit of a tear, got a bit of a hole, he goes, that's no problem. That is no problem. Okay, is that clear? So there what you've seen, okay, is four things that you're not allowed to wipe over, according to the Hanbalis, which where all four of them, we are saying, is allowed to wipe over with the conditions that we mentioned. The first one is the only one which is 
something of what we agree with. We agree you can't wipe over a normal hat, okay? Um, but we said that certain types of hat we, we, you have to, you, you're allowed to. Whereas the rest, 100% we disagree with. You can wipe over a cloth which is wrapped around the foot. You can wipe over something which will fall off the foot by itself. And you can wipe over that which allows a hoof, which allows part of the foot to be seen. Right. The next statement then, very quickly, um, is page 6. Right? Page 6. In the Arabic, uh, Imam al-Hajawi, alayhi rahmatullah, he says, فَإِن لَبِسَ خُفًّا عَلَىٰ خُفٍ قَبْلَ الْحَدَثِ فَالْحُكْمُ لِلْفَوْقَانِ If one leather sock is worn on top of a second one, before you break your wudu, yani before, before ritual of purity, the wiping rules apply according to the one on top. Again, if one leather sock is worn on top of a second one, before you, and you've put, you've put that on, before ritual impurity, before you've broken wudu, then the wiping rules apply according to the one on top. That's what the, the text is saying. So what can we understand from that? What's the issues with respect to that? Um, he goes, this happens a lot actually, and I guess our modern day version would be wearing socks, normal cotton socks, and then a hoof on top. Or you could argue this is, um, this is if we wear a, 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 a cotton sock and then put a shoe on, but that shoe is a boot, not a shoe, but a boot. Because a shoe is like really, really cut away from the ankle, isn't it? Yeah. So we're talking about a boot, a boot which kind of pretty much covers, uh, com- comes up the ankle. It's like, you know, like a boot, ankle boots. Okay, so that would be another a kind of uh, analogy. Imagine you're out there in the rough and uh, you're camping and stuff or you're a soldier or something like that and you're not taking off the top one. Then the rules of wiping will apply to the top boot. You can apply the rules to the boot itself and not necessarily go with the um, I think. Now, tell something really interesting. In the Hanbali Madhab, okay, if you had a scenario, this is a side point that Shaykh Uthameen makes. He goes, if you had two hoofs, one which was completely torn from the bottom, so like the bottom of the sole is like half showing, yep, the sole. And then you had the top one, the second one that you put on, where the whole top of it is all torn. Like the top part of the foot, big hole, yep. But as a double, as a double, the job is done. Yeah, because you covered it. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? What do you think the Hanbali um, uh, Madhab's position is? Huh? Because? Not quite. Uh, say it again. So what are you trying to say when you say that statement? The answer is correct, but you need to explain it better. Correct. So if it's individually taken apart, yep. Exactly correct. That's the exact correct answer. The Hanbali Madhab basically treats each one as an individual and he applies the rulings of the Khuf to each individual sock. And they say that if there was one sock that was put on and then another sock that was put on, would it be allowed to wipe over it? They say if there is a sock that you are not allowed to wipe over as an individual because half of it is torn or there's a big hole, then even combining them makes no difference because actually they're not allowed to wiping over individually, even when combined, does not allow you to wipe over them. And Sheikh Uthameen goes, that's one of the positions of the madhab, one of the unique positions of the madhab. He says, of course, that uh, first of all, we have no problem with them even as an individual, 
okay? And he goes, and when you put them together, then we definitely have no problem because you've got a double kind of thing going on, and that's that's that, that's that's fine. He goes, Wasahih, Jawazu Mushi Alihima Mutlaqan. He goes, absolutely, Yani, no problem, Yani wiping over them uh, 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 um in this way. Okay, so you know what it is? I want to summarize this point now and, and close um, on this. How do you want to understand uh, this issue? What kind of, I read through the page, and uh, these two pages, and to be honest, I didn't really find it very easy to explain. But I think that if you ask a question, it's more obvious. It's more easy to understand, I think. If you ask questions on what, what, on what you understand that it means. I mean, I'll tell you a little bit. وَإِذَا لَبِسَ خُفْنَ لَا خُفْنَ لَا وَجْهَ يَسُحْمَ So for example, you put a sock on. And then you, you put a sock on. You, so you wash your feet. Your feet have become dry. You're now clean. And now you put on a pair of socks. We now know that once these socks come on, we can, the next time that we break our wudu, Okay, or sorry, the next time we make our wudu, okay, we don't need to take them off and we can wipe over that socks. And from that second that you wipe over the socks, we have 24 hours of being allowed to do exactly the same. Isn't it? Yeah. So the second that we do that wiping, we now know that we've activated our 24 hour time period and we can now and, and so on. Okay, Is that, that's all clear. So imagine, Sheikh Uthameen says, that if a person puts on the sock, then he lasts a couple of hours, for whatever reason, then he breaks his wudu, breaks his wudu, okay, and then puts on a second set of socks, pair of socks, on top of the ones that he's already got, This is where he didn't come across well. He goes, and he wipes, and he's obviously making wudu again, and he wipes the bottom pair, the, 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 the underneath one, and basically what he's trying to say is that uh, let me put it in my own way which is much easier okay he's broken his wudu he's he's already got these pair of socks on and now he's making his wudu so now he does wudu and he puts on the uh, uh, and he wipes his uh, sock he wipes his sock and then he puts on the the, uh, the, 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 the the top sock. The timing rules with respect to the actual time period and the rules that are, are applicable apply to the bottom sock. That's it. That's basically what's going on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Whatever you just said, just hold that thought because I just want to make sure that everyone understood what I just said. 
The person's broken his wudu, he's put on and he's wiped over the bottom socks, and he's put on the second one. We're saying what? The ruling? Everything that moves forward is based upon the first one, the bottom one. All the ruling, all the time, principles, everything is based upon the bottom one. Now, I'm just trying to think of a way to present that. Give me an example to present that. What would the difference be? If we were to say that, uh, if someone would say, if you were to say, okay, that's fair enough. Fine, thank you. So, so they, would, they might turn around and say, right, what's the difference between that and then apl- applying rules according to the top one? Less time. Less time. How? How are you seeing less time? Okay. Yeah. And then you've lost your, you've broken your mobile. Yep. And then you put another fresh, uh, you're doing another, uh, another massage. Yep. And then you put another fresh one. Correct. So that time gap, whatever it might be, five, six hours, you know, from the, the one that you found it. You see, this is my point. And therefore, if you were to say that, okay, I put a fresh pair of socks on, socks on, now, now I get another 24 hours. Ha, ah, good. Well, I, good. Yes, yes, correct. That's the, the uh, that's that's the clear advantage. I wasn't thinking like you was. I was not thinking about putting the socks on after he's made wudu. Uh, correct. Well, like correct. I was thinking that if a person makes wudu, then he's putting on the socks. What's the difference? Imagine that. Imagine I make the wudu and then I put on right at that moment. I put on the the top pair of socks. Okay. I was thinking. I was saying there's no difference between anything anyway. But the difference is how you say it. That when I put on those pair of socks. Sorry, when I make my uh, mas upon that first pair of socks, I've got now 24 hours of play. Yes? But if I then waited another 4 or 5 hours, still in wudu, still in wudu, okay? Right? And now I put on the second pair of socks, and then try to make it out that I've got another 24 hours since I put on the top pair, then this is unacceptable. Because the time period is always activated the second I wipe the bottom socks. Correct. Is that clear, everybody? That's basically what we're trying to say. All right? Now, if the opposite scenario exists, which is what's mentioned in the text, which is that if one's leather sock is worn on top of a second one before ritual impurity, before you break wudu, then the ruling is then going by the top one. The ruling is going by the top one, the one you put on top. So the one I explained was when you've broken your wudu. So for example, now, let's say that I, 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 I make wudu and I put on... A bottom pair of socks. Okay? Right. I don't break my wudu, and six hours later, I put on a second pair of socks. Alright? All of my rulings are now based upon the top pair of socks. Now, realistically speaking, there's no difference anyway, because I haven't broken my wudu. Whether I'd put them on or not, I still would have 24 hours of play anyway. That's why I think this point is a bit more kind of semantic than anything else. You had a question. What was your question? Yeah. You put on your socks, your first pair. Take someone else's question, so yeah. So basically what you're saying is that I could it's now permissible that the asal of the second pair of socks is permissible to to then wipe over that once you've not had a, a, a complete wudu, but you're wiping. If you know what I mean. So you once you one socks for half the day. You've broken with all three times and made mass. Yep. You then put your boots on. Yep. Yep. You are now allowed to wipe over the boots for the rest of the day. No, you're allowed to... No, for the remaining time that you have from the original 24 hours. I.e. you don't have to take off the socks, wipe 
wash your feet, put the socks and the boot on, to then be allowed to wipe over the sock and the boot together. I understand head or tail of your question. The point, the point is, if you've got socks on and you're doing mass, you've broken your wall, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, just one second, let me, let me, let me read something to you, okay? Let me read something to you. Question is, how much, Yanni, uh, should I read to you? فإذا مسح ولبس خفيه جاز له أن يمسح يمسح عليه مرة ثانية. يعني what I want to say to you is from uh, uh, I wanted to read that I wanted to I wanted to say that uh, before I answer your question, meaning that the if you are if you got some socks. And you've put them on, and you've not broken your wudu, and you put your shoes on, then you do not need to take your shoes off to wipe over the uh, uh, sock. That's basically what I want to say. We're just making it massively complicated. Okay? You can actually wipe over your shoe, and that's the, 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 uh, that's the, that's the beauty of the point. And Sheikh Uthameen is saying this is great. Because some people will say that actually the uh, ruling does not apply to the top. You have to take your shoe off and you have to wipe over the sock. Okay? Now we're saying the only time you need to do that is when? When? If you've broken your wudu and then put your shoe on. Keep it simple as that. You keep it like that, you won't confuse. I thought I was going to go and explain all the details, blah, blah, blah. I realized I'm just confusing everyone, including myself. Simple. All right? You've got socks. You've put them on fresh. You've not broken your wudu. You're in top yani condition. Now you go and put on another pair of socks. Or you put on your boots. Or you put on whatever. You are allowed to wipe over those boots as a continuation of what's going on. The time period and everything is all about the top one. It doesn't matter what's going on. You can just wipe, 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 wipe. Okay? But if you had put on your socks and you're at home and you break your wudu, okay? And then you say, oh, no problem, I'll go and do wudu at work. Okay? Uh, a couple of hours later, no problem. And I'll wipe. Then you put shoes on and then you get to work and these sho- shoes cover your entire foot, okay? And then you're thinking, right, I'm not going to make wudu. Okay, well, you can't wipe over those shoes now because you broke your wudu when you put your shoes on. So now you've got to take your shoes off and wipe over the socks. But if you hadn't broken your wudu at home and you'd put those socks on and you're standing at the sink, you've now got the option of wiping over the shoes. The ruling is applied to the top part. Is that clear, everybody? That is basically what we're saying. Now we'll do some questions. Yeah. So that's fine, that's clear. Yeah. My question is, yep. is you put your socks on. Yep. Okay. After you made wudu, put the socks on. You're at home, yep. broken your wudu, and now you make wudu and do mask over your socks. You do, you, yeah. And then you put your shoes on. Yep. Are you still allowed to wipe over your shoes? No, because according to this position, yeah. you've now broken your wudu, yeah. and now you've put on your, your shoes. No, you've made wudu 
Uh, okay, but then you put on your shoes, yeah. and now you break your wudu again, and you want to make wudu again. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Do you now put wudu? Do you now put mash? Do you do mash over the shoes, or you do mash over the socks? You put, this, you, put, you put the shoes on yes. with a uh, wudu with mas, not a wudu with a wasl. Uh, understood, understood, understood. I need to think about that. I don't know. We need to maybe see if he's answered that question somewhere. Second. So let me just make sure I understand the question. So a person, he's now made wudu and then he's now put on the shoes. No, he's made wudu. Yeah, he's done mas. He's put on his socks. Yep. Broken his wudu. Yep. Done mas. Yep. And now he's put on his shoes. Yes. And now he breaks his wudu again later. Does he have to wipe over his socks or does he wipe over his shoes? Yeah. Second, second question. Yeah. No, no, he's saying that do I need to remove my shoes now to wipe, can I wipe on the shoes or not? That's what he's saying. Yep. Yes. So the reason why it's a good question, the reason why I don't think it's like you said, is because when he wipes over his sock, okay, and then puts on the shoes, he is actually in a state of purity. He's actually in a pseudo state of purity. No, 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 let me put that. He's in a full state of purity. But he's just on a clock of 24 hours, that's all. My heart wants to say to him, that it's permissible to now not have to wipe. Uh, it's, my heart wants to say that it's permissible to not have to take off your shoes and you can wipe over your shoes. I want to say that. But my mind and my experience says, hold that tongue, boy. And do some looking into it and research because it's a good question. I hope you understood this question. It's very different to what we said before. Very different. Because in a, the previous one, you didn't break wood or anything like that. Uh, you know, and... Here we have wiped, we have broken the wudu with the socks on. We have started, initiated the 24-hour period by wiping the socks. Okay, We are now putting on the shoe now and we are in the state of wudu where I now get to work and I break wudu again and now it's time to make wudu again. Do I have to now go and take my top shoe? My heart, body, my, almost my mind is screaming that you don't need to take off your shoes. But caution is better. Yep. Second question: You have done what you've um, put. That, you've done your um, wudu. You put your sock on. You've done your wudu. You've put, you've put your sock on. Okay. Now you put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. You haven't broken wudu. Yeah. Now you do mas over your shoes. You do. You now you break your wudu, and it's time to make a new one. You I do mas over your shoes. Okay. Twenty-four hour period starts on your shoes. So then later on in the day you break your wudu again. So you later on they break your wudu again. Take off your shoes. You it permissible to wipe over your socks? Right. Okay. So so that's that's easier. Okay. So you understood that? Okay. So what we have now is that a person he was in full wudu. He put his shoes on and uh, that was fine and everything's. And he's never he's not wiped over his socks. He's, he's not wiped over his bottom socks. It, it doesn't matter if you wiped it or not. You are now allowed to wipe over the bottom one without having to wipe over on the top one. Because the ruling is given to the covering, not to the fact that the foot itself wasn't touched. So, meaning, the fact that you have taken off your shoe, because you're at home or something, yeah? Mm -hmm. You're at home, 
and now you you are allowed to wipe over your 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 foot or your sock rather even though your original wiping was over your shoe the real question is the time period when does it start the 24 hour time period of wiping on the Correct. All right? You understand that? The 24-hour time period is already in play. You can't blag you any a new 24-hour time period on the first wiping of the sock underneath, just so that you, you understand that, yeah? So the shoes now come off, but the time play, 24-hour is, uh, time in play is started already. So once he's taken his shoes off, he's still in Mudal, and he's now okay to wipe Correct. And that's important. Remember that there are some people from the Madahib that say that once you take your shoes off, you break your Mudal, Okay. And we said there's no evidence for that. Remember that? We talked about that earlier on. Some people say if you take your shoes off, you break wudu. We said there's no, no evidence for that whatsoever. Or your socks off. There's no evidence for that. What breaks wudu are the breakers of wudu, which we're going to come to you afterwards. Or taking your socks off is not one of them. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just stating the verses. Um, page 5, it says... Um, no, page 5. Um, page 5. Go on. Maybe that is, yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what, what Isa is saying is actually, um, it, it, could be, it could be read like that. It's not a major issue. Uh, in, the, uh, in the Arabic, it says, And in the text that I read, which is from uh, this version, is in English this is what we would say you are not to wipe over the shoe you are not to wipe over the hat and this is what I stated when I read the Arabic you are not to wipe over the hat and not over the wrapped up foot in that text that you have in your notes it says you are not to wipe over the hat and the wrapped up foot the second negation is not necessary is it is the second re- repeating of the negation necessary? It just clarifies, that's all. Yep. So that's not a major issue. That's something which might be a difference in manuscript. Okay, the meaning is clear. None of the four things can be wiped over. Yep. Yeah, so we said this before, right? That uh, uh, there is nothing to actually prove that water is the illa, that the, the lack of water is the illa. It's a general covering. So if some water, a little bit of water seeps through, then that's something which is not a problem. If it gets completely soaked, then you've kind of like lost the plot there, haven't you? You've not wiped, you've not washed. You know, like if you were to stand, uh, the, 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 the example would be that you would go in your, your, your socks and you were to stand in the actual wudu area and then, you, you know, it's all soaked through. So you've neither washed and you've neither whatever. So you should then take them off. Because it's, it's in doubt then. What, what is that? Then, yeah. Uh, so, coming back to the, the second point, which is the wrapping up the foot. Yes. You said the, the Shia says that the evidence for that is the hadith of the Prophet tells the soldiers that they can use that which they use to keep, to keep warm. To keep their foot, feet warm. To, the, their feet warm. Yeah. So, if you, so by that, if that's the evidence, then if you if you wrap your Yep. Then you can wipe over. But if you if you're doing it for any other reason, then you're not allowed to. 
Um, it could be read like that, but it's more. I mean, the more obvious, the more obvious reading is is that what anything is put on the foot to keep warm, okay, which is the modern day sock. Even if it's not playing that role, it's still keeping your foot uh, your your foot warm. You might put it on for a different reason. You might put it on because it's difficult to put shoes on. You might put it on because you know you look strange wearing, you know, yeah, no socks or whatever. But the point is, is that the permission has been given for it to be worn. It's not linked to the fact that it needs to keep you warm or not. Allah knows best. Any other questions? All right. Okay. So I think uh, you know we'll call it. We said that we would have a chat about X, Y, and Z, but there's no time for that. We've gone way over, and um, we will inshallah close, and then we will uh, next session we will implement that. Any announcements? Um. Uh, announcements? Anybody? No. Okay. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka Allahumma wa atubu ilaik wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam barakallahu ala Muhammad wa ala wa sahbihi ajma'in. Naam Sheikh.